Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Um, got some, a little bit of tough news this week, this weekend, kind of, kind of rattled me and, and um, kind of had me, had me a little down, but God's good. And uh, you know, you, you, you always know, this is what I love about God, He's always looking out for you, right? And so just, just hadn't been sleeping well, just been a little bit worried in, in things. And I, and I got to church this morning, and uh, my sister gave me a, a note from my niece, who's four, okay? Her name is Quinn. You hear me talk about her here and there, okay? And she gave me this note. Can I read it to you? You're not ready. <laughs> Uncle Randon, I love you very, very much. More than the sky loves me. This is her words now. This is not her mama. This is her words. I love you so much that I want to kiss you and hug you and cry. And I wish that me and you were mermaids. And I, I love how God knows just, um, I know how, just how much uh, God is watching out for us, and, and He sees what's going on in your life, and I, I love how when, when, you know, when, the, when, when He talks about how He he's knows the, the sparrow, and He knows the number of hairs on your head, and He knows all this is going, He really does. And if we'll pay attention to watch how God is moving in our lives, you'll see Him moving all the time. And, uh, and so I just wanted to share that with you, maybe to encourage someone. Uh, I, I think that God loves you so much, he wants you and him to be mermaids. That's just how much he loves you. Uh, that's apparently high praise. She's, uh, she's four, and she's really into mermaids right now. So this is high praise. Um, last week, are you okay today? <laughs> All right. All right, welcome to all of our guests. Uh, for those that are uh, guests with us today, my name is Randon. My wife, Lindsay, who you saw just a moment ago, we're the lead pastors here at Triumph Beaumont. We want to welcome you today. If you're watching online, yeah, let's welcome all of our guests. If you're watching online, thank you so much for being uh, with us today. You're a part of our service. You're a part of our church here, and we're glad to have you. And, and we just welcome you. I pray that God does a wonderful thing in your life today. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you've been praying for, I believe that today is a miracle kind of day. And I want to build your faith because I, I genuinely do believe that God is going to move. Uh, I ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we have, I began a series last week on Easter entitled The Counselor with the idea in mind that the Bible called Jesus Wonderful Counselor. They said his name would be Wonderful Counselor. And that's just not just sometimes giving advice, but the way Jesus often went about it was he would ask questions that forced us to think. He would force people to think. Over 100 recorded questions that he asked. And so people would come to him with questions and he would turn around and he would be asking them questions. And this is the way Jesus did it. Much like going to a counselor's office and, and you're paying them lots of money and you're sitting on the couch to ask them questions and they sit here with their notebook and they're asking you questions. Now, when you go to a counselor's office, there's a number of ways you can respond. You can respond in, with honesty and openness, ready to change. That's the hope. You're paying a lot of money for that. Or you can respond with sarcasm and defensiveness and a refusal 
to examine your life. How are you responding? I know that uh, I've done quite. A, I've, I've sat on both of these sides of this couch many times in my life, and, and as a as a pastor, uh, I, I do some counseling. I don't do a lot, but but over the course of the years, I've I've done a lot of it, and it's so funny how you you can see very early on how people are going to respond. Usually, it's the men that are the problem, but no joke. About 30% of the time, you ladies are the problem. I'm not kidding. I know you think you're always right, but you're about 30% of the time. The men are like, please tell me, Pastor, I'll do anything. And the woman's like, I'm right, and I don't even care what you have to say. Get out of my office. <laughs> so, how do you respond when you're, when you're on the couch and Jesus is asking you the question, how do you respond? Last week we asked the question, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? Because doubt is not the end of, of real faith, but it's often the beginning. And, and, and doubt is easy, but belief, belief is work. And the third thing we learned about doubt is that doubt, it, it, it doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. I love that story of John the Baptist, who while he's in the prison with his doubts, Jesus is saying, there's no one that has been born of a woman that is greater than him. Because John's doubts didn't disqualify him, and they don't for us either. Because all of us deal with doubt. Now, I want to I go further into this subject, in this, uh, this struggle between doubt and faith. And let's take a little bit further look. And, and we'll, we'll pick up, we're going to ask a different question today. Um, and, and the reason it's so important is because when we doubt... We limit ourselves, we limit other people, and we limit God. See, God's power, it, it, it's, it's more than enough to do the impossible, but the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that we can limit God. And I hope, I hope to have a chance to come back and talk to you about that more. But when we doubt, doubt has a way of limiting God in our life. And so he wants us to have faith. Um, are, are you facing challenges in your life today that, that you need a miracle from God? Maybe you're dealing with uh, something in your body and, and some type of sickness. Uh, I got word this morning that one of our elders, Philip Charles, is in the hospital right now. Uh, and he's going to be fine. But we just, uh, just pray for him. Keep him in your, uh, in your prayers, if you will. But I believe God's going to heal him right where he is. And, um, and I just do, I believe that. Um, Maybe, maybe you've come here today and your marriage is right at the end. You don't know what else to do. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting at, at home watching online right now and, and you feel like there's no other way out. But God believe that God wants to step into your life and help you because we all face challenges that we need God's help with. In Matthew chapter 9, it's a wonderful story. Um, the... Jesus has been doing a number of miracles. There are a lot of things happening here. First thing he does is he heals a man that's paralyzed, tells him to get up out of his bed and walk, and he forgives him of his sins, which is something that only, uh, you know, that only God can do, and, and yet he forgives him. And then he goes on, and uh, he, he, he has dinner with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. This caused a big uproar because Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Problem. Church people got upset. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't laughing because you've been upset before. Um, while they're upset, he decides to talk to them about fasting, <laughs> which just makes the matter worse. And then 
um, a, a leader in the synagogue comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter's sick. She's dying. You've got to come heal her. So Jesus says, okay, now this is a leader of the Jewish synagogue. This is supposed to be the, 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 one of the guys that's the enemy of Jesus. But somehow he said, man, I'm out of options. I need help. And Jesus might can help. This is my daughter. So Jesus says, yeah, I'll come. On his way, a lady reaches through the crowd and grabs a hold of Jesus. And virtue flew, flowed out from him. And a lady that had been bleeding for 12 years was healed instantaneously. And, and right just walking on the side of the road. And then finally, he, he makes his way to, the, to this person's house, this man's house. And the daughter is no longer sick, but she's dead. And everybody's laughing and saying and crying, she's dead. There's nothing you can do, Jesus. Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just asleep. They're mocking Jesus, and he says, get out of the house. He looks at the little girl, he says, rise up and walk. Man, and she jumps up out of that bed, and Jesus comes walking out with the daughter. The place goes crazy. Can you imagine that for a moment? Can you imagine? You're standing in the hospital room. Maybe you're outside. And Jesus walks in. And it's flatlined on the screen. They've removed the tubes. The doctors say, you, there's nothing else can be done. There's no need to come in. And they come in and they say, hey, wait, 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 wait. We're going to pray. She's not asleep. I mean, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And everybody's laughing at you. And the nurses are giggling like, that guy is dead. And all of a sudden, you're out in the waiting room just crying and mourning because your, your daughter is dead. Your husband is dead. And suddenly, Jesus comes walking out. No tubes. Just a hospital robe with, with this... With, with your loved ones saying, I told you they were just asleep. Mind blown. Sometimes it's easy to read these stories and not realize exactly what was going down. She was dead. D-E-A-D, dead. But the town explodes in people talking about it. And now we pick up in, in, in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, Two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes, and he said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened, and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. They didn't listen. But instead they went out and spread his fame all over the region. What, is, what a story. Two guys heard about what had happened. They're blind. They said, we've got to get to Jesus. I want to play this video. And I, and I want you to try to put yourself in the shoes of the blind men. Let's roll it. I'm sure you've heard about this Jesus, right? As soon as I heard about what he could do, I knew that he was someone that I needed to go see. Well, I mean, not see, right? Anyway, I guess you know he was in town yesterday. People were talking about this sick lady that was healed, and they said that he brought a little girl back to life. I don't know if that was true, but I didn't care. I, I knew where she lived. So 
I heard this great commotion going on from inside her house, and I waited outside. And when he came out, I was just like, Jesus, have mercy on me, Jesus, over here, mercy. <laughs> Did he answer you? Ta-da! You can see where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yeah, he did. He comes over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he asks me, do you really believe I can do this? He touched my eyes and said, because you believe, it will happen. And then I opened my eyes, it's like, wow, I can see. <laughs> what if you'd been one of those guys? You have no option. There's no LASIK surgery that's going to help you. There's no contacts. There's nothing that can be done. And Jesus touches your eyes. And when he removes his hands, you're seeing for maybe the first time in your life. But he asked a question. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you really believe that I can do this? This is the question that Jesus asked of these two men. And I believe it's a question he's asking of us today. Whatever challenge you're facing in your life, whatever struggle you're facing in your life, whatever's going on, whatever miracle you need, the question that Jesus is asking of us today is, do you believe that I can do this? And here's what I believe is going to happen in the next few minutes. At the end of the sermon today, I'm going to open these altars and we're going to have prayer partners here available to pray with you. And I believe we're going to have some moments just like this guy described where God's going to do miracles and you're going to see things differently and he's going to step right in. I believe it's a miracle kind of day. And I want to build your faith for that, okay? So I want you to get ready at the end of the sermon. When I make the call, you come quick. If you believe God can do it for you, if there's a glimmer of hope, you come running and watch how God's going to do something great in your life, okay? Now, um, he, he says something else Jesus does. As he says, do you believe I can do this? Yes. And then in verse 29, he says, because of your faith, it will happen. Because of your faith, it will happen. Faith honors God. Faith moved Jesus. Faith pushed Jesus to do a miracle. Their faith changed things. So the question that I have is, what kind of faith honors God? What was it about their faith that got Jesus to move that maybe others couldn't? What kind of faith honors God? Can you pray with me and then we'll answer this question? Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I thank you that you have decided to do great things in us today, that you've decided to do miracles in the lives of your people today, that you care and that you're watching and that you have chosen to answer. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive from you. Build our faith. Give us a faith that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first kind of faith that honors God is a faith that believes when it doesn't see. A faith that believes when it doesn't see. These guys couldn't see, and yet they believed that Jesus could heal them. Not only could they not see the world, but they couldn't even see Jesus. 
They didn't know what he looked like. They didn't know how tall he was. They didn't know anything about him. But they had enough faith in what they had heard that they decided to believe that Jesus could heal them long before they saw the results. Here's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith that honors God is faith that believes even when we can't see things. Faith that believes even before we see the result. Faith that believes even before we see the miracle. Faith that believes that God's going to answer even before He does. Do you believe that God hears you? Do you believe that He will answer your prayers? Do you believe that all things are possible? Is God able to heal you? Do you have the faith to believe that He is? Do you have the faith to believe that He will step in and help you in your relationships, in your physical life, in your finances, in your spiritual life? Can He help you? Now, we're in church today, and so there's, there's two kind of answers that go on. When you say, do you believe he is able? There's the church answer that immediately says, yes, he's able. There's a church answer that shouts and that can preach a little bit and that can get everybody pumped up, and, and I can preach just a little bit, and I can tell you that he is king, and he is Lord, and he created the heavens and the earth, and he put the stars in the sky, and I could get you pumped. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, the, and the faith that could get you, get you, and the church answer would be, yes, yes, and I know, and God is good, and he can do it. And God is good, and all the time, and he cares, and we can, boy, I can get you going with that. But, the, but, but I'm not concerned with your church answer today. I'm concerned with your couch answer. I'm concerned not with what you can shout because uh, of words that are being said and, and, and maybe genuine faith that's being built in your heart because I believe in preaching. The Bible teaches that, that Jesus taught and he preached. He taught them the truth and he preached and he got them pumped up, so I'm a believer in it. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't last when you walk through the doors, what, what good is it? When you walk out on, on, on Sunday evening and, it's, and you're back to facing the problem and now you're back on the couch, the, the sermon is done, the shouting is done, the worship is done and you're sitting on the couch and Jesus from his chair looks at you and says, do you still believe that I'm able? Now, now real faith is born. When times are tough and there seems to be no out. When you've gone days and weeks and years and you haven't seen God move, do you believe that He's able? Because that's when it gets real. And we, I've heard so often times, and, in, and, and I have said it, and, and I've, I've honestly had to repent this week for making this statement because I said it in innocence, um, but I think I, was, I think I was messed up. Can I, can I be honest with you for a moment? And I, we, we exhaust all options, been to the doctors, done all we could do. We've done everything we could do. And I'd say, well, all we can do now is pray. 
And this week as I was preparing for this sermon, my heart has been so convicted because it's, it's like I was making God my last option. Well, all I can do now is pray. Jesus shouldn't be my last option. He should be my first hope, my primary source, and the solution to every problem. So I don't want to say, well, all I can do now is pray. I want to say, I get to pray. And I've done everything I know to do, but I am counting on God. He is my hope and my source and my solution. He is the God of everything. And, and, and I'm going to believe in him and I'm going to pray like God's going to do it. I'm going to go to the doctors, but what I believe is he's going to guide their hands and he's working all the way through. I, I'm, I, when, my, when my husband says he doesn't want anything to do with me and it's over, I'm going to keep believing and trusting in God. I'll go to the counselors, but believe in God. I'll go to my financial person and try to get them to talk to me about how to get out of debt, but my source is in God. I'll get help, but my faith is in Him. All we can do now is pray. No, 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 no. Now... You get to pray with faith and belief and confidence that God is going to do what he said he would do in your life. Can I get an amen this morning? What kind of faith does God honor? God honors faith that believes when it doesn't see. Pastor Greg Groeschel, pastor of one of the largest churches in the country, said, the size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. What have you been praying about the last seven days? See, what you've been praying about reflects the areas of your life that you are looking for and expecting to God to have involvement and to work in. Have you really been praying? I want to challenge you today. Pray big things. Pray big things. Pray big things. Get big faith in your life. And here's the thing. If you pray small things, and you get less than you expected, you get many miniature things from God. But if you pray huge things, and you overshoot it a little bit, you still get big things from God. Pray big prayers. Pray huge prayers. Number two, a faith that persists when nothing changes. A faith that keeps going when nothing changes. Now, I want you to put this story in perspective, okay? And, and I'm not going to go back and read it to you again. You can read it on your own, but just follow with me. Jesus walks out of the house. He's just healed a little girl. The two blind guys start screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They're screaming, Jesus. Jesus ignored them. <coughs> Jesus didn't answer them. Go read it. He doesn't, he doesn't answer them at all. He doesn't, it, it, there is no response that he gives them in Scripture. He just takes off walking. They're following behind him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He just keeps walking. He walks down the street. They're behind him. I don't know if they've got a cane or a seeing eye dog or someone's leading them or they're just running through things. I don't know. But Jesus is walking. They're blind and they're still following. Jesus, son of David. And Jesus is just walking like he doesn't even hear. Go read it. He gets to the house where he's staying. I don't know if it was a block away or two blocks away or six blocks. I don't know. All I know is he wasn't staying in the little girl's house. He was staying somewhere else. And so he walks from one place to the other. He walks in the house. He opens the door. He walks in. These guys keep following. They go right in the door like it's their house. <laughs> like, do it. 
What are you doing? They just kept on following. They just kept on screaming and yelling and shouting and doing everything they could to get Jesus' attention, and he never responded. Finally, he gets all the way in the house, and he goes, well, I guess I'm about to have to deal with these guys. And he turns around and says, do you believe I can do this? I don't know if Jesus was tired and needed a nap and just figured, well, I better just heal him so I can take a nap. I don't know if he wanted a hamburger and just said, I'm never going to get lunch if I don't heal this guy. So finally, I don't know what it was. All I know is this. They did not stop, but they kept persisting and they kept following and they kept following and they kept following. And finally, Jesus couldn't go anywhere. I don't know if there was not a back door on the house or what, but he walked in. He's like, well, I'm boxed in now. So here you go. And he lays his hands on their eyes and he heals them. God honors faith that persists when nothing changes. I want to read you this story. Um, I want to read you this story from the book of Luke. Now remember, uh, this is the words of Jesus. Then teaching more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. The guy got what he needed because he had shameless persistence. Could that be said of your prayer life? You need a miracle, and you know you need a miracle, but have you been seeking God and following God with a shameless persistence? When Jesus tells this story, I believe he's giving us instructions on how we should approach him. Shameless persistence. He said, if you keep keep knocking long enough, he said, well, Pastor Raymond, how long is long enough? If you keep knocking long enough, how long is long enough? You ready? This is Revelation right here. You'll know when it's been long enough because Jesus will have just answered your prayer. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep knocking. This is what Jesus said. Keep knocking until you get what you're praying for. Well, let's keep going. Luke 18, another story. One day Jesus tells his disciples a story to show how they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. And he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No. I think 
God, I think here's what Jesus was doing. He said, I'm giving you permission and I'm telling you, drive God crazy. Drive him crazy. Just drive him crazy. I I just prayed a lot and I don't want to bother God. Drive him crazy. Shameless persistence. Wear God out with knocking on the door of heaven. That's the kind of faith that moves God. That's the kind of faith that honors God when we pray and we believe and we have faith even when nothing changes. Can I tell you a true story? No? Okay. I have an aunt, and she went on to be with the Lord just a few years ago. Uh, her name is, uh, I, I refer to as Aunt Elbert. And um, she was my grandfather's, on my dad's side, sister. They were really, really close. She's quite a lady. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story about her. Uh, when she was later in life, she, she, she served God all of the time I've known her. All of her adult life, she served God. And, uh, or most of her adult life, she served God faithfully in the house of God, served, paid her tithes, all those things. I mean, she was amazing. She never missed church. And uh, w- w- years ago, you know, Lindsay talked about how our women's conference that's coming up. But for a time, we had a, a full conference, men and women, camp meeting, people flying in from all over the world, this international conference. And when I was about 19 or 20, my dad said, son, it's time for you to preach a workshop. So I had like the, like the eight o'clock workshop that no one ever came to. And so... <laughs> But boy, I prayed and studied like I was going to be preaching to thousands, man. And I was ready to go. And they put me in the other building. <laughs> you know, like, but hey, I didn't care. I was on the list. I, w- I-, I was preaching at the same conference as T.D. Jakes and Tommy Tenney in their heyday. So what you got to say about that? <laughs> and so I go in there to preach. And there's like nine people, all of them people that love me. And here comes my Aunt Elbert and my Aunt Phyllis. And she comes in. And she comes walking up to you. She says, good to see you today, Bob. I know you're going to do a great job. And she sits about five rows back uh, out of seven. And um, three wide, seven back. <laughs> so she's sitting right here, kind of to my right. And man, I preached. And I preached. And I preached. And I get to the end. She slept the entire way through. I mean, she sat down. She said, you're going to do great today. And she sits down and boom, she's gone. I preached like I was preaching to the world. We get all the way through, and I said, so let me pray for you. The moment I said amen, she lifted up, she looked around, she walked straight back up to me, and she said, that was the best message I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> my Aunt Albert, boy, she was something else. Um, when you hear my father talking about uh, uh, when he was a very young boy, and he was sitting in the, uh, at a little Pentecostal church in Nederland, had a hymnal in his, in his hand, and he heard God speak to him, you're going to pastor a church in this city. Have you heard Dad tell that story? He's, when he tells it, you'll know. He was sitting next to my Aunt Elbert, who he's talking to. He loved his Aunt Elbert. And um, my Aunt Elbert had, had a son, still has a son. And uh, he never lived for God at all. You know, you know, there are some people that live for God, and then there are some people that make attempts to live for God, but always seem to be like they're just trying to hold on to their salvation. And then there's these people that are running from God and have no intention of ever, he was that kind of person. No, wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church, 
Nothing to do with any of it. Just going to live life his way, his rules. But God spoke to my Aunt Elbert decades ago and said, your son will live for God. God said, I'm going to save your son. And she prayed for my uncle, and she prayed for him, and she prayed for him, and she prayed for him for decades. I don't mean like she prayed a couple of months. I mean decades. And she went on to be with the Lord just a few years ago. On her deathbed, she looked up at my father with, a, with all of the strength she could muster. And she said to him, God promised me he would save my son. And she went on to be with Jesus. But her son was here on earth and was not living for God. But at 72 years old, God began to soften his heart. And on one amazing day, in the parking lot of the church, not even in the altar, not even in the office, in the parking lot, my father led him to Jesus. And he now, he'll be in the needling service here in just a few minutes. He's probably there right now. He's there every single Sunday, and God has saved his life. 72 years old. God honors faith that persists even when nothing is changing. God honored my aunt's faith even when she had gone on to be with him in heaven. And I don't know if she got to heaven and figured, I've got you where I want you now, God. You're cornered and you can't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if God looked at her and said, I'm going to have to deal with this for eternity. I might as well save him now. I don't know, but all I know is that today I will look back and my Uncle Grover will be sitting on the back row worshiping God because God honors faith that keeps on believing when nothing changes. And I don't know where you are in your life, but if you've been praying and believing for a long time, I want you to know this. God honors faith. Keep believing. Keep praying. I don't care if it's been a year or a decade. You see, we read this Bible and we see the highlights, right? But this Bible covers thousands of years and it seems to leave out the difficult times. And it goes from high point to high point and it leaves out the valleys when God doesn't seem to be moving and people are just bombarding heaven with no results. But I'm going to tell you, they went through what you were going through and yet they kept on believing and God honored their faith and he moved on their life. And he's going to move in your life. I, I'm wrapping up. And I, I want to tell you this story. And, and I would skip it except God spoke to me today. And, I, and I, I, have to, I have to tell you. The third point is this. God honors faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. That works even when... We talked about this a little bit. That, that faith without works is dead. We talked about that last week. You see, Paul said... These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. You remember that verse? Because sometimes we, we connect hope and faith and think of them as the same thing. But they're not. You see, hope is desire. But faith is demonstration. Hope is an, an inward desire of bigger things, of God doing something, or, 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 or that you could be what he called you to be. But faith is walking out what you believe God is saying. Faith is moving when it doesn't make sense. 
You see, for the two blind guys, they couldn't see, but they could hear. They could hear that Jesus, what Jesus was doing, and they could hear where Jesus was at. And they said, I know where that lady's house is. I'm going over there where Jesus is. They couldn't see, but they could walk, and they could follow, and they just kept walking behind Jesus. They couldn't see, but they could speak, and they yelled like crazy, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't get caught up in what they couldn't do. They kept moving with what they could do and believing that God was going to do something for them. Our our problems can blind us in our life. And keep us from seeing what God can do and wants to do in our lives. But he has the solution in his hand. Will you push through? In the Old Testament, Abraham has a son. He's the promised son. His name is Isaac. He had him when he was like 100 years old. It took a long time. Dear God, it took a long time. And all of a sudden... God says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. This was not metaphorical. This was literal. Like, lay him on the altar, take his life, and give it to me. Abraham, in this faith, he grabs his son Isaac. And they head up to the mountain. They get past the way up the mountain, and Isaac stops him, and he says, Dad, you know, we've got wood, and we've got fire. We've got a rope. We don't have anything to sacrifice. There's no lamb. There's no sheep. There's no ram. There's nothing to sacrifice. He had done this a few times. And Abraham says, don't worry. God's going to provide a ram. They get to the top of the mountain. They build the altar. Isaac has his hands tied and his feet tied and he's laid on the altar. Abraham raises that knife. And he's about to take his own son's life in obedience to God. It didn't make sense. But he was going to do it because God said, it was in that moment that God stopped him and said, no, no, no. You have passed the test. And the Bible says that suddenly over to his side, there was a ram caught in a bush. Now, I have to tell you, we have um, a deer lease in Fredericksburg where we hunt with our family. You've heard me talk about it. And they have goats and sheep and rams and all kind of stuff out there and I have seen them caught in a lot of things but I've never seen in 15 years of hunting there I've never seen a ram caught in a bush and yet this ram is caught in a bush and I thought about that this morning while we were worshiping and here's what God said he said Randon I want you to tell the people that I'm going to provide a miracle for them at just the right time in unexpected places but you got to have faith. He wants to honor your faith. <clears throat> faith for big things. These guys came to Jesus, and Jesus did the impossible for them. My dad said something this week. He said, don't try to figure out how God is going to do it before you decide to believe that he's going to do it. Don't say, well, let me see how God's going to do it, and then I'll determine. No, just believe God and let him figure out the details. And I believe God wants to do miracles in your life. I I believe he wants to do big things. um, I've been there when I was needing a miracle, and suddenly Jesus stepped in 
and I had that I can see moment. No, I've never been blind, but I have been in some desperate places. I don't know what challenges you're facing today. I don't know what kind of miracle you need today. But I would, I'm wondering if you, like those two blind men who followed Jesus into the house, I wonder if you would follow Jesus to the altar today and let us pray with you. Because I believe it's that kind of a day, that, that eye-opening, miracle-happening, mind-blown kind of day. Do you really believe that God can do it for you? I want to pray for you in just a moment, and I'll, and I'll have you stand in just a minute. And then our, our altars are going to be open. We're going to worship for just a minute. Um, what are you singing? I don't know what you just said. He is able. I, I thought you were speaking Chinese to me. I was like, dude, I don't speak Mandarin. We're going to open these altars. And if you need anything in your life, I, I, I don't care if it's relational. I don't care if it's physical. I don't care if it's emotional, emotional or mental or financial, whatever it is. I believe that God wants to do a miracle for you. Maybe you need to come down and pray for someone else that's desperate for a miracle. Maybe you've been praying for someone like my Aunt Albert prayed for her son. God's doing miracles. We want to pray with you. The faith that he's going to move in your life. All right? Father, I pray that you would touch your people today. Your son Jesus walked the earth, and when he touched people, when he laid his hands on them, things changed. When he put his hands on the eyes of the blind man, his eyes were opened. Lord, I'm praying for that kind of day today. That you're going to do miracles that are inexplicable. That you're going to do wonderful and powerful and mighty things. Build our faith today. We want to have a faith that honors God. A faith that persists. And a faith that moves and, and works even when it doesn't make sense. So God, give us the courage to follow you to the altar a place where you're ready to do work, where you're ready to handle your business and do miracles. In Jesus' name, amen.